Good morning, church. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Luke, chapter 23, starting verse 35 and going to verse 43. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. I, uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, as I said, I, my primary method of teaching the Word is through Bible study. I was talking to someone about that, and they said, you just need to yell a little more and wave your arms. <laughs> so I may or may not do that, but it's, uh, it's, it's good to be with you here uh, today. Uh, Someone asked me this morning if I was nervous, and to be in full, full honesty, I, I, anytime I can stand behind the Word of God and open the Scripture, I am at complete peace and comfort, and, uh, and I hope we are all today. Um, again, it's good to be here. Today, we're going to be continuing the series that we started. The series is When the Invisible Became Visible, When the Invisible Became Visible. Uh, the text is going to be ch- John chapter 1. You may turn there today if you'd like. Um, we're going to be, I'll give you the particular verses in a moment, but we're reading from the Gospel of John. We began this series with Pastor Brenton's message uh, on the person of Christ, who Christ truly was. We found in that message that he gave us that Jesus, number one, is eternal. He always was, he always will be, he was eternal. In fact, we know that he was with his father in eternity. People say, what was Jesus doing in eternity past? He was being a son. What was God the Father doing in eternity past? He was being a father. So we know that Jesus is eternal. The second thing that Brenton pointed out in this text is of God's triune nature, the Trinity, the second person of the Trinity is who Christ is. The third thing that Pastor Brenton pointed out is that Jesus was the agent of creation. All things were created through Jesus. So that's something that was pointed out in the text that he gave. Fourth, and the last reason that Brenton covered was that Jesus reveals God in human form. 
That's the invisible made visible. We then learned last week through Marshall's teaching, his message was on the purpose of Christ. Why did Christ come? Christ was the light to the world. In a darkness, Christ came as the light. So, number one, how does Christ's light affect us? It brings men to salvation. Christ's light illuminated the opportunity for salvation. Secondly, the light brings us into a worship of Him. It draws us to Him so that we can reflect worship and glory back to Him. The third thing is that it illuminates, Christ's light illuminates our path as we walk in, our, in, in sanctification, as we grow in Christ. Uh, it's, he's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so those are three things that we learned last week, which brings us to our text and topic today. But let's begin with prayer. Father, we come to you this morning humbled by the opportunity to open your word, to discover more about you, to learn about your nature, and to learn about why you came. (coughs) Father, we are incredibly grateful as we come into this Christmas season. Lord, as we remember your birth, and Father, not that we remember just the story of Christmas, but we know and remember the theology of Christmas. Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit illuminates this text this morning so that we may learn more about you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you haven't already, go ahead and turn to the book of John. The book of John, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 9 through 13. But before we begin, the title for this particular message today is The Polarization of Christ. The Polarization of Christ. The first was the person of Christ, delivered by Brenton. The second was the purpose, delivered by Marshall. Today is the polarization of Christ and his message. We'll wrap it up next week with the presence of Christ, as Pastor Greg brings that in our service. But as we unpack the text today, we need to understand and take a look back, if you can imagine, into eternity past, when the Trinity existed before time. We had the Father, you had the Son, and you had the Holy Spirit in a triune nature. And, and, and this Son of God, who had been with His Father in all of eternity, at this moment, in this fullness of time, as Galatians puts it, condescends to earth, takes on human form in this perfect plan of redemption and salvation. I can't imagine that any of us in any brilliant minds could have thought of this redemption or this plan of salvation, this plan of redemption. Only in the mind of God in His perfect nature and His holiness could consider this absolutely perfect plan. It's perfect in plan. It's perfect in how it is demonstrated. It is, it is sufficient in all ways. Every aspect of salvation through Christ 
is flawless. So we consider this Christ who was with God, eternity past, condescending, becoming man, taking on flesh and blood. And as he came into the world, the text we'll look at today say there were only really two, two ways people considered or took in Christ. He was either rejected or he was received. So as we begin, let's start in verse 9. Let's start reading in verse 9. If you have your Bibles today. And this sort of is coming on the heels of what Marshall talked about. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's the fullness of time. That's what Galatians talks about, Paul talks about in Galatians. It was coming into this world, and verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. We talked about that a, a week ago. We know that Christ was present and was the agent of creation. Yet, the world did not know Him. Let's sort of just pause right there. What we'll see in this text is a, is a movement from general to specific of, of how Christ was rejected and who rejected Him. The world came in. He came into the world that He created, and yet through sin, the world had changed to a point where it did not know Him. It did not recognize Him. Now, we do know that, the, that creation still recognized Him. We had... The wind and the waves listened to him. He turned water into wine. He created food and, and, and sustenance from nothing. So the creation itself knew him, but the people did not know him. As we continue on, it begins to be more specific. It says he came into his own. That's a general mankind. And as we continue, it says, and his own people did not receive him. So the world did not receive him, didn't recognize him. Mankind did not recognize him. And his own people, the Jewish nation, rejected him, did not recognize him. So this text is really divided up into three sections. And I'll give those to you if you're taking notes this morning. But is the rejection of Christ... It is the reception of Christ, and it is the reward of Christ. And so as we see that, clearly, John is speaking in his gospel, and he talks about how Christ was rejected. He was rejected by the world, he was rejected by mankind, and he was specifically rejected by his own people. And we see that it continues today. If you've watched the news, if you're... If you're up on any entertainment or anything of this world, we see that Christ is not only rejected, he's mocked and scorned still to this day. It reminds me of a passage. I'll read it for you. You don't have to turn. This was Isaiah, the prophet. He said, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. In this day and age, it's, it's, it's obvious who rejects Christ. We can see the ones that shake their fists and decide that they can determine 
uh, what gender they want to be. It's they're shaking their fist at God, at their creator. They decide at, 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 they call sin good. They call good sin. The evil that we know uh, is now lauded, and the good that we know is now shamed. It used to be that you could watch the news or watch a program, and, and when you would see someone say something, perhaps that was contrary to our Christian nature, even on television, we would go, whoa, that's, oh, can you believe they said that on TV? Or Now, I'm surprised when someone on television or in, in entertainment industry says something about Christ. That's how far we've turned. One of the more dangerous rejections, though, is this. It's those who say, I'm okay. I'm a moral person. I'm a good person. I, 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 I have everything I need. I have money. I'm secure and safe. I don't need Jesus. I don't need him. That's rejection of Christ. That's a rejection of Christ. It may not be as blatant, but I feel it's more dangerous to reject him in that way. Christ in his life was rejected. We'll continue talking about the rejection. I'm going to give you a few examples of this, but he was rejected really from the moment that he came into this world. He was greeted by, well, we, we know the Bible story, but the ugly part of the story is that the current king of the Jews, King Herod, Herod the Great, did heinous things looking to kill Christ immediately, right out of the gate. Before he was even a toddler, Christ was sought out to be killed. And, and, and Herod did incredibly horrific things, slaughtering toddlers under two years old all throughout Bethlehem and the, and the surrounding areas. So we see that instant, the world did not receive him, especially the rulers of the day, the actual king of the Jews right then and there, decided to kill and wanted to take out what he, was, what he thought was a threat, the, the, king of the, the, the real king of the Jews as we knew it. Christ was rejected in his own town, in his own hometown, as he began to teach and, and do miracles in other areas. He came back to his own town in Nazareth, and he was not received. Initially, they thought, wow, this is wonderful. Here he comes, and he's reading so beautifully out of the, 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 the text from, you know, the prophets had written about himself. And then they began to kind of demand that he do the tricks in a way that he did in other areas, and it wasn't sufficient for them, and he didn't do it. In fact, he said that in that moment, you don't need to turn, but in Matthew, it says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in the synagogue, and they were, so that they were astonished. Where did this man get wisdom in these mighty works, they said? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this, not his, is this not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his 
own hometown and in his own home household. And he did not do mighty, many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He was rejected in his own hometown by his own people. He was a man of reject. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrows. As he continued through his ministry, we know for fact that we see in so many of the uh, texts of the Pharisees that ridiculed him and the scribes that ridiculed him. And not only did they ridicule him and reject him, it was even, ironically, it was even the high priest of the day. We know that Christ has become our high priest. But ironically, the high priest of the day, Caiaphas, rejected him to the point of turning, if they hadn't already, the Jews, the rest of the Jews, the Jewish nation, against Christ. So we see that the rulers of Christ, or the rulers of the day, had rejected Christ. Finally, we know that both Jew, Jew and Gentile, the Jews and the Romans, rejected him to the point that drove him to Calvary. Sovereignly through God's plan, but they were the agents of Christ's murder. So today, as we consider this text, I think it's interesting to actually, when we see a text, sometimes there's a turning point in the way it's written. And so knowing of Christ's rejection throughout his life from beginning to end, we look back at the text here and we begin to see a turn. We begin to see the good news here. Look with me at verse 12. And it begins with the word, but. And there's another text that said, but God. And whenever there's a but God, you know something good is going to happen. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, and I want you to notice here that it says, but to all who did receive Him. John continues in this text to define what that means. Who believed in His name. He gave. He gave the authority. He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not, not, not because of who we were raised, our generation, who we were with, our heritage, not of the will of flesh or the will of man, but the will of God, but of God. That, that, that's, a, that's one of the most beautiful turning points in this passage. We go from the rejection of Christ to those who did receive Him. Again, you can only reject Christ or receive Christ. And so as we look at this text, it says, who He gave the right to. I love that gave. That's grace right there in and of itself. And He gave the authority and the right to become children of God. Turn with me to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, if you have your Bibles, to chapter 4. I just want you to look at this particular thought and more clarity that Paul brings. Galatians 4. I love this text. It's one of the most comforting texts I've, I think I've, I've read in a long time as I studied this. Galatians 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, and when is that? What is that talking about? That's talking about Christ 
coming to earth, condescending, doing His work. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, to rescue those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. You could also say sons and daughters. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. So first we get the adoption. To those who receive and believe in His name, we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. And then He gives the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Son in our hearts crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir. So not only are we counted as sons and daughters of the living God, we are given His Spirit to dwell within us, and we become heirs with Christ. It's a wonderful passage, and that's what it's referring to when John talks about, for all those who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And notice that it's God that's doing all the work here. It's not the will of man, it's not the will of the flesh, and it's not our heritage or background. It is but of God. Something I'd like to point to, you're probably wondering why I chose the narrative that I chose this morning. Christmas is coming. It's just a little over a week away, and the Scripture passage reading was the crucifixion of Christ. But in this narrative that I'd like to look at today and study a little further, we see one of the most striking examples of the rejection of Christ and the reception of Christ all in one dark hill of Calvary. So turn with me, if you will, to Luke. It's just a few pages back from our text. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, and we're going to start in verse 35. I'm going to read along with you, and we're going to take our time through this particular text to see the rejection and the reception. Luke 23, verse 35. Read along with me. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him rejection. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is Christ, the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, rejection, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. That's a public mockery and rejection. One of the criminals, now before we, before we, let me pause right here. Two of the other gospels that are written in this narrative, that talk about this narrative, they, we know from those gospels that both of the thieves on the cross that were on either side of Christ were mocking and rejecting. This was on the, they were on the cross for hours. And so they both were doing this. But in this particular narrative from Luke, 
we see the rest of the story. We see the rejection turn. Look at verse 39. One of the criminals who were, who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. He's mocking and rejecting. But listen to this. But the other rebuked him. His heart was turned. He was defending Christ. What is the mark of a believer? That you defend your Savior. That you, that, that's an evidence. Let's read further. Saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, there's an awareness there that was given to this thief. He, his, his heart was turned. It was changed, dying on the cross. Recognizes and knows the fear of God since you're under the same sense of condemnation. And, and, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. There's the recognition of sin. But this man has done nothing wrong. That's the recognition of the innocence of Christ. And listen to what this thief said. And he said, Jesus, this is so humble, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This affirmed his true faith that when he looked to Christ, his heart had been turned. He received who Christ was. He believed in the name of Christ and not only believed in the name, but he believed that Christ had the power to save him and had the power to give him the allowance for eternal life, to be with him. And Christ said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow, what a great example of two people on either side of Christ, both rejecting and mocking. It's sort of an anomaly when it comes to salvation, but we do know that people come to Christ very late in their life sometimes. They come when there's then they're on their deathbed sometimes. We don't know what God has planned for everyone. But this thief turned. His heart was turned. He received Christ. He believed in the name of Christ. It's a beautiful example. And I didn't know today if sometimes in Bible study I'll go on and on and on for a long period of time. Today could have taken two hours. It could take 15 minutes. But I don't want to belabor any points here. You need to know that Christ will either be received or he will be rejected. There's no middle ground. You need to know this. As we are here today, and I would be foolish if I thought that every single person in here 
was truly saved. It's just statistics. Hopefully we are. But if there is anyone in here that has not truly received Christ, you need to listen to what perhaps the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Maybe there's this prompting that you have. We know that God chases us down. Consider this. Have you believed in His name? Have you believed in His name for your salvation? Have you believed in His name knowing that there's nothing you can do on your own merits to gain that right place with the Lord? Have you acknowledged your sinful nature? That's a hard one. We see that a lot in... I, I was watching a, uh, a video on YouTube uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I think it's, he goes out and, and, and witnesses to people on the streets of California. And, and he had a, a more recent post, and, it said, and, and the title of it was, I almost didn't post this, was what it was. And it was three or four in a row, rejections of Christ. And as we witness and talk to people, there will be people that will reject Christ and reject Christ, but that shouldn't stop us from sharing the gospel. So I just found it interesting that even in this living waters where, they, where, where they're always showing how to witness to Christ and how to do the right things, it's really, you can only say so much. I, I can't stand up here and, and convince you of things. It's the Holy Spirit that will do the work in your life. But today, if you're here and you are hearing this message and understanding that there's only two options, you will either reject Christ or you will receive Christ. Again, to receive Christ is to truly believe in His name, to acknowledge our sinful nature. It also means to turn, to make a turn from our fleshly desires. Our heart at the point of salvation is now bent towards Christ. People say, people struggle with the assurance of salvation. We know that we are eternally secure as believers, but even believers struggle with the assurance of salvation. I, I cannot believe I just did that again. I allowed my flesh to do something. What is your heart bent towards? John MacArthur says it's not the perfection in your life, it's the direction. Where are you headed? What is your heart bent for? But there should be a turn. We need to know that. Have you submitted your life to Christ? Is He the Lord of your life? These are things that are important. For believers, I would say that as we come into this Christmas season, share the gospel. There's a dying world out there, and it's not just the people that are shaking their fists and have strange haircuts and scream on TV. It's those that just, they're doing okay. They don't need Christ. They're all right. But they need to know what they're facing. It'll cost you nothing this Christmas season to share the gospel. It'll cost you nothing. But if you don't share the gospel, it could cost someone everything. So I encourage you, as we looked at this text today, I'd like to just reread the entire text itself. 
Read with me again. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came into his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We're going to probably just end a little early today. I just kind of thought about, I had a few other things to say, but sometimes we need to really dwell on what we need to dwell on. Have, have you received Christ? Have you believed in His name? Or do you still reject Christ? And to the believers that are here, I, again, I encourage you to know that there's a dying world out there that continues to reject Christ, and they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the good news but they also need to know the bad news because the good news means nothing if they don't know what the bad news is. So the full gospel, the full counsel is what we need. So I am going to bring it to a close today, but I, I would like to invite up the, the, uh, the elders and the prayer team to the front. I, I think that it's important that times like this where we consider heavy truth, heavy passages, there might be some of you who who are thinking and, and are being prompted by something stirring in you and you're not quite sure what to do, listen to that. It's the voice of God and He could be telling you and prompting you into salvation. You don't need to raise a hand. You, don't, you could come up, but we'd love to have someone pray with you. Let us know if God is doing something in your life right now. But also, we have people here to pray with. This is a season where we typically think it's a happy time and everybody's joyful, but I know there's a lot of people in this congregation going through very difficult things. I would encourage you to come up and pray with someone. And maybe you have a lost relative or a good friend that, that you know is not following along as they should be. Um, come up and pray with someone about them. Uh, it's always a wonderful thing to have prayer partners. Let's close. Father God, we, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you condescended. You came into this world as a, as a baby, as a child as, that took on human flesh, lived a perfect life died on the cross for our sins, Father, and made in a perfect atonement that we might become sons and daughters and heirs of the kingdom. Lord, be with us as we travel out into this season where we do celebrate your birth, but we also have a clear understanding of the theology of Christmas, not just the story of Christmas. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.